Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Good morning to you. Hope you're doing well. It's been a talk about the uh, the glory of God in the summertime here in Hoosier land. It's been beautiful this week, hasn't it? And hope you've been able to get out and enjoy that glory. But uh, but good to be together today and and excited. I, as I look out, I want to also acknowledge we have some uh, seniors that are graduating and congrats to, to you and your families, your loved ones. It's neat. T- milestone moments are really worship opportunities, aren't they? Just those times to stop and celebrate, look back at what God has done and, and His goodness, but, uh, but yeah, congrats to all of you, but uh, excited about today, we are launching our new message series that is uh, over the next four weeks, so through June, it's going to be a little unique in that we are going to visit a New Testament church each week, a different church each week, and what we're going to uh, discover is, we're calling it uh, Houston, we have a problem, and it's somewhat encouraging in that these churches, they launched well, they're going in the right direction, living on mission, accomplishing what God created them to accomplish, and then somewhere along the way, it went sideways, and a big issue occurs to which it's as if they're picking up the phone and dialing into the Apostle Paul as one of the main people they, they call and like we have a problem we need some help and what's helpful for us is these problems are timeless problems that we face in our own personal lives as well as corporately that we can see okay course correct and, and here's how we uh, solution to the problem or, or uh, live in light of this problem and help us thrive rather than derail in life mission. So imagine one, imagine one morning you can time travel back to sit with Paul and enjoy breakfast together, eating some bagels, and I'm sure they're by the Mediterranean, some fresh squeezed orange juice, and, and you're, uh, you're having a good talk with him when, bomb, 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 there's a pound on that door, his door. He jumps up, it gets it. His face lights up when he sees the guy at the door. They hug, realize they're friends, comes in, say, hey, join us for breakfast, some coffee, and it's, it's a friend, you've come to find out, from the region of Galatia. Now, that's kind of like a state for us, uh, like Indiana is a whole state there in the, uh, to the uh, west of uh, where, where Paul was at, his hometown in Tarsus, Antioch, that area. And so, they're having breakfast, but then Paul's like, hey, what brings you here? And he says, Paul, we've got a problem. <laughs> and he just dumps. So this isn't a problem in one church, it's in the throughout the region of Galatia, it's, it's like spreading through many churches, and he dumps it on Paul. And the, uh, you see Paul's face fill up with concern and, and whatever, you, going throughout the day, but you really look up, getting ready to go to bed that night, and you see Paul's, the light in his window is still on, and you realize this brother's lit up with this problem, and Paul can't sleep. He actually uh, stays up, picks up the pen, and he goes to writing a letter to, this ch- to the churches in this area. And it is the letter of Galatians that we have. And it is a treasury of truth. It leads us to the question, though, what is the problem? Well, what's the big problem that's going on in these churches in Galatia? What moves Paul to write this letter? And it's a, it is a big one, and we could call it a Galatial drift from... 
grace to works. A, a drift from living in the grace that we have received in Christ, in this place of grace as we relate to, to our God, back to the bondage of the law and a performance-based relationship with our God. The, uh, last week, we, if, if you were away last week, we covered a, a really important text in the history of, of what the church is and, and uh, how we do life, and it's Acts chapter 15, and it was a council gathered in Jerusalem to try to figure out, what do you do with the law of Moses? And it was just driven into the, the, this reality that we are saved, not by what we do or observance of the law, but through the grace of our Lord Jesus. So that was settled. We're saved through this grace that only by grace are we saved in what Christ did for us on the cross. But it still leaves the question, okay, we're saved by grace, we're forgiven and justified by grace, but how do we live, right? How do we live? The, uh, what guides our conduct and our life? And the answer in Galatia was, it's the law of Moses. It's the Big Ten Commandments and the rest of the law of Moses. We need these things, right? To create structure for our lives. If we don't have the law keeping us in check, it, it is going to be a hedonistic, free-for-all mess, right? I mean, as humans, we're, we, we feel the battle, we feel the tension. There's still the flesh that we have. You have to have the law to, to, uh, to do life as a follower of Christ. We are saved by grace, but we live by law, right? No! <laughs> Paul screams in this book of, of, that he writes to these, these folks in Galatia. And he, we see it, and we don't have time to go through the whole book. Michael Humphrey's been teaching a, a class on Galatians, first hour, 9 o'clock in the fireside room. And if you have questions, great um, class to, to be, be a part of. But in Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, he sums it up. He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to, and you might circle this in your Bibles, live in the grace of Christ. So guys, this is where we're to live. This is where we do life, in the grace of Christ. And are, returning, are, are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. And so the good news of God's grace is also <laughs> the radical grace of God also makes it hard to live in it because it, it just goes against everything that, that we have known previously as humans or even how we're, we, we're our default mode as humans, which is to live in a performance-based relationship. The way that we relate to God is not based on our performance, but on the performance of Christ on our behalf, not just for our past sin, but today for our present righteousness before God. We relate to God solely on the basis of grace. And yet, I would suggest we battle this threat of legalism in our own lives, don't we? Returning to the law in order to earn God's favor. And you could test your own heart. I test my own heart with this, and I realized even over the past couple weeks, I was drifting into law as, as I live by, on the good day, bad day scale. 
And if I'm having a good day, according to my, law, my level of what I think is good before God, I feel like, hey, God and I are good. He likes me, I like him, it's all good. But if I have a bad day, and I have a real significant failure, maybe I'm harsh with Tam, I just live under this doghouse, like, oh, I'm not good with God today. Can't wait till I get a few more good days under my belt so I can feel like I'm good with God again. And what have I done? <laughs> I'm no longer living in the grace of God. I am returning to the bondage of law. We can drift into thinking that there's a performance scale. As we compare with each other, okay, Mother Teresa's up here. I'm, you know, like we have missionaries like Robert and Alejandro, right, you know, like here they've given their lives to God, so they're a little more pleasing to him. I'm here, you know, I'm kind of ordinary down here. <laughs> that, that scale, what, what, what's it reveal? We've left the, the place of grace. Our best day, God tells us, is as filthy rags in earning his favor. Our worst day does nothing to hinder his love that he has poured out for us in Christ. We relate to God, are called to relate to God based on the grace that we have in Christ. So the question for us is how do we avoid that glacial drift from grace, this place of grace, to law that, that we fill in our own hearts? How do we live free from the law rather than in bondage to it? And our text today, we're going to come to Galatians 5 and we're going to have to fly through this, but it's, it gives us three steps to take when we feel the law coming back on us or living under the bondage to the law and helps us live in this place of grace. And so if you would join me, Galatians 5 verses 1 to 6 is the, the first step that we'll see. Verse 1 says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Now, when you say free from what? The Bible, there's all kinds of things we could say that Christ set us free from, but in this context, it's, it's the law of Moses. It's living under the living in a performance-based relationship with God. He says, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened by the yoke of slavery, referring to the law. Don't let other people put you under this law, or we can put it on ourselves. And he says, mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, which was the first step into the law, Christ will be of no value to us. So when we live under the law, we devalue Christ. Verse Three, again, I declare to, to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. So if we think we can earn God's favor by obeying, you know, this, that, and the other, actually, you have to obey the whole thing, and, and, which is obviously impossible. And then verse 4, he says, you who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. What he's saying here is, it's not just to live a law-based life. is not just a Jesus plus law. It's a departure from the gospel, the essence of the gospel. You've fallen away from grace. You've been alienated from Christ. Verse 5, he says, so now this is the core of, of how, really the truth of, of what it looks like to live in the grace of Christ. He says, for through the Spirit, so the Holy Spirit helps us in this, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. So we are right with God, we are right, righteous, right with God, only through faith in Christ. So 
the big idea is we get, the, we get credit for Christ's righteous life. We get credit for his performance, and we get that credit imputed to us through faith. It's a, um, and a righteousness which will be increasing. There's an eschatological piece to this where one day we will be perfectly righteous. Right now we're in process of becoming righteous. But he goes on, for, for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. This is the offense of the gospel to those who are living under the law or those who want to earn their way to God. What, what he's saying right here, when, when we understand the gospel is no amount of good deeds has any value before God in earning his favor. So you mean every time you've come to church, every time you've done a good deed, every time you've sacrificed, every time you've prayed, every time you've given, earns you not one centimeter of favor before God? Yes. And this is why Paul is getting persecuted. He's telling this to a very religious people who are like, they're tearing him up. This is why they can't, they, they struggle to let go of the law. This is, we were counting on this for, it's like, no, circumcision, uncircumcision, neither has any value. Here's the only thing that counts, faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts is our faith in Christ and his performance on our behalf. And the way that faith plays out in life is a life of love. And so the first step when we feel the yoke of law coming back on and wanting to live a performance-based relationship with God is to throw off the yoke knowing Christ has set us free from the law. When we're tempted to rely on law, rules, and performance to be right with God, it's just to, to toss that. To hear Paul say, stand firm, do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery, living under the tyranny of the law. The law, or our performance in, in trying to be, live up to the righteous commands of God, has no power to transform us. Its purpose is to lead us to our need for the grace of God, for our Savior. The only thing that counts, it's not circumcision, uncircumcision, your list of things that you feel like if you do these, you'll be right with God. All those things None of those count. The only thing that counts is faith in Christ expressing itself in love. So it raises the question, why are we prone to legalism? Or to, why do we drift with the Galatians into, into law, out of this place of grace? I think one reason may be our pride. You know, if we can do these things, we start to feel good about ourselves again. And um, it's humbling to think that <laughs> my best day is still not pleasing to God. I, I need Christ. I need his grace every moment of, of my existence. Another reason may be a sense of control. Rules create a sense of like, okay, I can do this. We, we form our own levels of holiness and like, all right, I, I can do this. And we feel good about ourselves or we feel like we can control other people. You know, I can create a, a church. If I can, um, a legalistic church sometimes is one that, okay, we can make all our members good by these list of rules and regulations and misses the, the reality that it's only by faith and the grace of God that, that our hearts are changed, not by laws and rules and, and regulations. God calls us to live in the grace of Christ, free from law, relating to him solely on the basis of his grace 
through Jesus. I love the way that Jerry Bridges says it. He says, your worst days are never so bad that you are beyond the reach of God's grace. And your best days are never so good that you are beyond the need of God's grace. We live in the grace of Christ. We are saved by grace. We live by grace. And so we toss the yoke and of the law. Now, I can hear questions forming in our minds, and it's a whole other message. What about, uh, and, and we'll get to, get to those questions. That's a rabbit trail. The, uh, Paul shifts his tone here. It's kind of neat. He's just laid down some big truth for us. Now he shifts his tone to a, as a, kind of like a friend, just he catches the eyes of these Galatians. I imagine this friend doing breakfast with him, and he says this, verse 7 to 12, you are running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? athletic illustration then he goes with a cooking illustration he says that kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you a little yeast works through the whole batch of dose this little teaching perverting grace is spreading through the churches he says i am confident in the lord that you will take no other view the one who is throwing you into confusion whoever that may be will have to pay the penalty brothers and sisters if i am still preaching circumcision or the law why am i being persecuted in that case the offense of the cross has been abolished which we just talked about like why, why am I getting beat up, Paul says? It's because I'm preaching grace. As for those agitators, the people who are perverting grace and, and pushing law, I wish they would go, go the whole way and emasculate themselves. But sometimes I'm like, all right, why did God allow Paul to write that in the Bible? Or, you know, we get, uh, that's a different genre. It's a genre of sarcasm. But it's sarcasm coming out of some steam that I think God had Paul write leave that in there just because this is a big deal and uh, to be put back under the law and so uh, it does raise the question the uh, Paul's been you have this personal feel but I can imagine him imagining someone raising their hand and saying but Paul we still have a, a problem Houston we, we still have a problem Without the law in this Gentile culture, it's go, it will be a hedonistic meltdown. Everybody doing what's right in their own eyes. We, we need some sort of structure, don't we? To, to give us like what's right, what's wrong, what's, uh, how do we use our freedom? What will guide our conduct if we don't have the law? And that's where we come to step two in verses 13 and 14. The second step is serve one another humbly in love, knowing that you are free to do this. Use your freedom to to love each other rather than satisfy and indulge the flesh. So we see that in verse 13 and 14, he says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. The flesh being that our old nature that, that desires our will versus God's will and that is our, our old sinful self. No longer in power, but it is still present, tempting us. He says, rather, serve one another humbly in love for the entire law. So you take the whole Old Testament, law of Moses, everything is, and don't you love cliff note versions and spark note versions? Here we get the ultimate cliff note <laughs> for the Bible. He says, the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Serve one another humbly. Serve others humbly in love. 
So he's saying here that we're not under the law of Moses. We've been set free from that. But the freedom is not something that we use just to do what we want to do. It's to be used to pick up a cross and lay down our lives for the good of the people around us with the very love of Christ. He's hinted at this already in verse 6 where he says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So what's to govern our new community, the church? What's to govern us? What, what, what's to guide our conduct and how we treat each other and what we do? It's love, man. It's love. <laughs> Paul, he says it again and again. Corinthians, that church, we'll get into that church in a couple weeks, but I will show you now the most excellent way, 1 Corinthians 13. It's love. It's the love of Christ. We could go on and on about how that's playing out in our church family here. And just this past week, a group of ladies being willing to provide a funeral meal, Abby and uh, Rachel and Tammy for a f brother Jim Hughes that passed away who we hope knows Christ, but Doug had a ministry in his life and doesn't go to our church, but just loving on, on their family this week. And I was thinking about Jeff and Sandy Bumgardner and Sander and Riley who I think this month, or if not soon thereafter, will be traveling to Taiwan. Their kids are in high school, middle school, and uh, they are going to Taiwan to adopt two children. And uh, why, why do that? Why, why would anyone do that? It's love. It's what we've been set free to do, is to love those around us as Christ loves us. But the question becomes, is, isn't love just another law? And in some ways, <laughs> isn't it just another law that's even worse than the law of Moses? Like it crushes us? Have you felt that? And shouldn't we then, if, okay, if love is the, the main thing, are you starting to form your list of this is what love looks like? Check, 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 check. And all of a sudden, following Jesus becomes this oppressive never enough. I mean, I, I don't think I'm going to be adopting two kids. Now I'm feeling less than. Ah, and I remember the first time this hit my soul was in, at Cedarville. I had to give a message on the great, I was excited to give a message about the great commandment to my fellow students. This is the main thing. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love each other as Christ loves us. Let's go do it. And then as I'm preparing the message, I realize I'm a horrible failure at this. I'm the biggest hypocrite. I just wanted to pack my bags and bike to California. I don't want to give this message because I fail. And all of a sudden, the law of love crushes us. And this life is not a joy-filled journey with Christ. It's this guilt-filled, shame-filled, oh, man, I'm a loser. There goes Jeff and Sandy, and here I am, worn out, can't do any more kids. <laughs> I'm a loser. Where's my love? How do we live? the way of love. And guys, this is the truth that if, if any truth is going to make us dance today, th this is the one that under the new covenant, this is the dancing truth. Th this is just precious, precious, precious. There is only one way and it takes the pressure off. It, it leads us into freedom and it's found there in uh, 16 and following, but it's simply this. The third step is walk by the Spirit. He says this, so I say, verse 16, 
Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh, sinful nature, desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you, so that you are not to do whatever you want. And we feel that, don't we? The, the flesh and the Spirit. There's the, the battle that rages within us. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The gift of the Spirit is so much better than the law, or a list of rules and regulations that we would put on ourselves. It's simply this step-by-step following the Spirit of God. He says, the, he lists, okay, the acts of the flesh are obvious. And you'll notice these, he doesn't command us not to do these things because if we are living in the Spirit, we won't do these things. And similar with the fruit of the Spirit that he'll list. But he says the acts of the flesh are obvious, and then he lists these things, and I, as we read through these, maybe there's one of these that we do need to, to deal with today, but sexual morality, impurity, and debauchery, which is the sensuality um, gone free, free for all, idolatry and witchcraft, relating to God and a, a, seeking spirituality in a way that is outside of God, hatred and discord, jealousy, Fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Living like this is that idea of a, a continual pattern of practicing these things. And if we're living in this state, we have to ask, do we know God? Are we truly in grace? Have we trusted Christ? And do we have the spirit if we're okay with this kind of living? Paul's warning them, no. But then he says, but the fruit of the Spirit. So this is what, as we lit, walk by the Spirit, he will create in our lives. It's like a, something to rejoice in. It's love, joy, peace, patience or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. When, when we're walking in the Spirit, we don't need the law because he's creating these things in our hearts, something far better than the law. And then How he sums it up here is so good. You feel his passion. He says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. It's a a vivid picture, isn't it? And pretty, uh, you you feel Paul's passion. We we crucify the flesh with with its passions. And when the flesh tempts us, we we, we don't mess around with it. We don't get close to it. We don't um, entertain it. We crucify it. But then he says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The word keep in step is different from walk by, it's, but it's the same concept. It's order, order, we get behind, it's like a military march, and we follow it. And um, again, calling us to walk by the Spirit. And so, why is it that we no longer need the law? It's because we have something far better than the law. We have the Spirit of God within us. Walk by the Spirit. This is the calling of God to his new covenant community, to us, his church. This is how we live. It is by walking by the Spirit. You say, well, what's that mean? What's that look like? And it's simply a moment by moment, step by step, reliance by faith on the Spirit to guide us, give us direction, and to empower us to do whatever it is he wants us to do in that moment. It's him alone. (laughs) It's the only way we do it. But he is faithful. Guys, this is the gift of the new covenant. 
it's this incredible reality Jeremiah talked about in, in Jeremiah 31 that the prophets couldn't quite wrap their minds around. Ezekiel said, it, I will give them, I'll take out their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh and I will, I will put my spirit in them and that will allow them, move them to keep my law. This is the gift that God has given us, the indwelling spirit of Christ. This is how we live. It's by faith in him guiding us, empowering us step by step to do what he's called us to do. The flesh and the spirit are in conflict. We feel that battle. The temptation is to think we can win that battle by list, making a list of rules and then pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps and, all right, I'm going to go get the rule. But that is, um, no way can we do that. He, but we can win the battle, he says. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh when we fail and our lives are marked by one of these fleshly desires we confess our sin we repent quickly we turn back to him but it's not okay now I have to go suck it up and do better it's Lord help me to live relying on you in step with the spirit and he helps us grow pausing or coming back to that last summary piece of uh, in verse 24 25 those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires since we live by the spirit let us keep in step with the spirit just uh, again you, you feel Paul's passion here but the greatest of, of motives is love isn't it and you feel that here when we, baptism is a picture of our salvation, and, and in baptism, it's a picture of being united with Christ. We die to our way of life, and we crucify our flesh. We are raised up to a new life, and we live for him, a new, new life. And that's the start of the Christian journey, but I would suggest that picture, it goes on and on, doesn't it? As we mortify our sin, our flesh, and we are um, raised to new life, or we experience the new life that we find, have in Christ but I, I hope and pray in my own heart and your heart as well that this text just stokes in you a, a remembrance of, of why we're doing what we're doing and it's love for Christ, love for the one who loved us. He talks about crucifying our flesh with its desires and you know, I think about maturity in the, as a kid and early on you know you're doing the right thing so you don't get punished but later on as, as you get into the your older high school years, I know for me it was I'm doing the right thing because I love my mom and dad and I don't want to see tears or hurt. And so it is in the walk with Christ, isn't it? That's the walk of grace where we're not doing right things because it's the right thing. It's because we love him and we crucify the flesh and we hate our sin because of what it does to him, it does to those around us. And we walk in the spirit. I hope this message, I know for me, it's just created a, a renewed appreciation and gratitude for the spirit that God's given us. <laughs> a renewed confidence that we can do this. <laughs> God did not give us the spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And we can do this with his help. It's not our strength, but it's his strength. So bringing it all together, the good news, Jesus came to set us free from the law. 
We are saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ, and we are called to live in His grace, to relate to God, not based on our performance, but based on the performance of Christ, and then out of that reality, to love Him with everything we've got, mortifying the flesh, crucifying the flesh, walking by the Spirit, living for His glory. Therefore, the challenge to avoid is the drift from grace to law. So when you feel that law coming back on and living a performance-based relationship, the the word of God to us today is don't let yourself be put under that bondage. Toss the yoke, throw the yoke. But it does raise the question, okay, what structures our life then? And we hear Paul say, okay, you've been set free so that you can use your freedom not to indulge your flesh, but rather to serve others humbly in love, to live a life of love. But then love becomes oppressive at times. Am I, we start to measure up again, am I... It becomes a law that's over us. And then we remember, no, the way to love is there's only one way, and that's walking by the Spirit. And so we come back to, Lord, help me just keep in step with you, step by step, walking by the Spirit until you call us home. Do you know that feeling you have when you're trying to develop a new skill and you're really bad at it and it's so frustrating? I remember the immediate <laughs> picture for me is middle school basketball and when the body is just all messed up and I'm dribbling my, the basketball off my toe and, you know, turning the ball over and it's just so frustrating. And then finally, you get to that point where you master the skill and it just feels so good, like whew, we're going, we're, we're flying, you're in the flow and, and it's just joy and fully alive in that skill, how, how it's meant to be done. And for me, that happened the freshman year at Cedarville College playing just pickup ball with buddies on Friday night, you know, and this is how you play the game, and we didn't want to stop playing. It's just deep into the night, and uh, thinking about Christian life is, or, or what he's talking about here, life in the Spirit, it, when we get this, when we understand living in grace, it is when we come fully alive in Christ. When we realize it's not measuring up to his performance, we've already received his grace and the righteousness of Christ, and and we realize that, and we begin to live in that, and then live by his spirit, and we catch the, okay, this is how you do it. It's not by my own strength, and I don't have to go out and save the world. I just have to walk in his spirit and just love the person in front of me, do whatever he's called me to do in this season of life, And, and there's joy, and there's, it's like, this is how you live. And then as we each do it, the body of Christ, it does what it's created to do, and God accomplishes his purpose. Jesus said, he called it, and it's one of the most beautiful pictures in John chapter 7, 36, 37. He said, anyone who is thirsty, come come to me, believe in me, and streams of living water will flow through you. And John includes, by this he meant the spirit, which had not yet been given. But guys, here's the picture. You are a walking stream of living water. Streams of living water was the picture. Wherever you have water, you have life. When you interact, walking by the Spirit, you bring life to the people around you. And as we unite as a church family and and walk by the Spirit, we as a team and churches throughout our country, community, work, bring life as God created us to do. That's the igniting vision. So how do we, um, the big call today, avoid that drift from grace to law. Walk by the Spirit. Amen. Amen. Would you uh, join me in standing and we will
walk out of here in prayer. Father, we, uh, we thank you for your word to us today and just the uh, awakening again to the, the wonder of your grace. And Lord, we thank you for giving your life for us on the cross, taking our sin and our guilt. But Lord, we thank you also for living the perfect life that we, we could not in and then giving us the credit for that. And then, Lord, we, we just want to praise you for the gift of the indwelling spirit. We thank you that, that uh, you are creating these fruits of love, joy, and peace in our hearts. Lord, we pray that you would help us to, to keep in step with the spirit, to walk by the spirit. Lord, I thank you for, for each person here today. And and I uh, just pray blessing over them now. I pray for those of us who are hurting today. And think of uh, Tim and Jenny Krager this morning as, as Tim battles uh, vertigo and other things, that you would just restore his health. I lift up uh, Andrea Huff as she recovers from her heart procedure. And um, Doobie Dubinsky, and as he recovers from his surgery as well, Lord, would you bring healing and peace and strength? Lord, as we go out this week as a team and, and uh, seek to love on the kids in our community through our day camp. We just pray that we would be led by your spirit step by step. Thank you that you will empower us to do everything that you want us to do and we just want to be faithful. God, we want to see kids who did not know you come to know you and kids who are lukewarm in their love for you just fall deeply in love with you. So be with our workers, and I pray your word would dwell among us richly. Lord, we thank you for your grace. From the bottom of our hearts, we, we praise you, we worship you, we offer our lives to you as a living sacrifice. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.